today on Machine Learning on the Road, I'm going to be talking about electric vehicle trucks. Um, electric vehicle trucks will probably be one of the hottest topics in 2021, 22, as uh, different uh, car vendors. Uh, suppliers begin to produce vehicles um, that uh, are powered by battery in the form of trucks. And uh, we've been waiting to see which, uh, which way um, the market would move, whether they would go with fuel cell and build the hydrogen refilling systems, uh, for semis or if they would uh, utilize uh, recharge stations uh, where they could quickly uh, recharge the vehicle and so they put stations every 60 miles or so so they you could find a, a recharge station and, and char- charge up um, one of the big issues I see with uh, with the electric uh, semi is the range, um, and uh, so right now Tesla is announcing that it can its uh, semi can it has a 500 mile range, uh, and uh, also Nikola said that its battery density was higher um, and it could achieve a 1,000 mile range. And so significantly different, doubling the mileage. And uh, so it provides a hydrogen electric kind of hybrid or, um, and so the advantage behind that is uh, fuel reduction. The cost to operate a electric semi is 80% less than uh, diesel. And for that reason, um, I think the because of the cost savings, it's going to be extremely popular. Now, Tesla announced that it will release uh, or market three different versions of its electric truck. And uh, um, the the third version, it'll start with its base version around 40000 And then its, um, its uh, top version or top rank version will be about 70000 but that the that truck will be capable of pulling fourteen thousand pounds, and uh, uh, for, it has like a fourteen mile climb at a certain inclination capability. Triple motors, and uh, and so it, it looks like it will be a powerhouse for pulling heavy loads. Uh, one of the surprising things about the the EV truck is its ability to pull. 300,000 pounds um, so the motors are very powerful and uh, and so for those reasons uh, it will be very popular in the consumers vision now one of the things that I've heard lately is when after Tesla announced that they, they were going to produce the uh, electric truck was that there was some um, negative feedback that they didn't like the new design um, that it kind of had that, that stealth futuristic uh, lunar lunar look to it um, 
there were some people that loved it and then, then there was others that didn't. But one thing that's interesting about the electric truck is I don't think that the style or the look of the vehicle will be tightly uh, associated with the truck itself. It can, it can have various different forms. And I saw some interesting images of what uh, different artists or, or uh, individuals who did some simulation of what they thought maybe the EV truck would look like. And they, and they look very stylish. They look very futuristic. They look strong and bold. They have, uh, uh, they, they have a strong presence to it. And so they, they, there's kind of a masculine look to the truck. And uh, I think for that reason, uh, you know, electric trucks will be very popular. One of the other things that's interesting is that our that Vivint uh, truck, the competitor to Tesla, um, its vehicle has more of a conventional looking style to it. Um, and they're gonna be competing with uh, the trucks that are very popular now, like the GM Sierra um, and the Ford F-150. And so that was the target, Tesla said, that um, they wanted to achieve is a vehicle for the cost, about the same cost as the F-150, but um, having uh, having uh, about the same level of performance. And um, for those reasons, I think that the EV truck will be popular. You know, it, when you have, you compare the two, uh, if you compare the Ford 150, the Sierra against the Tesla um, model, it will be comparable in some of the specs in terms of size, the, the late wheel length, um, acceleration will be the, what, um, the top rank truck for Tesla will accelerate from zero to 60 in three seconds, but the, um, the lower rank ones will, will not, they'll about six seconds, but it's still phenomenal acceleration. And that's one of the things that, uh, I, I've read that, uh, the semi, one of the cap capabilities is that uh, the regenerative brakes will be a huge advantage for saving and recapturing the energy and the acceleration uh, so that you don't have to be moving through the gears. Um, and the other part, too, is this, the fully self-driving fleet. So once you're on the freeway, you can activate the uh, sensors and the semi will be able to drive by itself and that will because it will have more increased sensors around the vehicle more um, uh, ability to gather information about the environment the road conditions the traffic conditions um, it will be a very valuable tool and uh, where you look at the number of trucks that are on the road, the number of miles, the average semi will travel uh, 45,000 miles in a year, uh, which is probably, a, you know, that's on the average, but the truck drivers are allowed only to drive for a certain amount of hours, let's say eight hours a day. And uh, the vehicles, um, you know, if you're drowsy or stuff, the vehicles will be able to, to take over. So the, the Autonomous driving will be a huge advantage for the semi. And uh, the IoT devices monitoring the brake systems and the um, uh, powertrain and stuff, that or the power motors, they will, they will be capable 
of pulling heavy loads. And so there might be motors in each one of the wheels, uh, increasing the amount of pull power and, uh, or, uh, and uh, acceleration will be greater so that you know, tr the truck will get up to speed faster. And those are some of the advantages for semis. Um, but the huge advantage is the cost savings in fuel. And so one of the things that uh, I've been thinking about is with millions of electric vehicles per year uh, being added to the grid, um, there will be a higher consumption of electricity and our electricity prices will go up. Uh, now, that was also the reverse with the Hydrogen Society with the... Uh, like the Nicola semi, you know, where it was, it would uh, have a fuel cell stack, and uh, be, it was power plant would be uh, fuel powered by hydrogen uh, through a proton memory exchange, uh, proton exchange memory PEM, and uh, but the its its advantage would be that it could put power back on the grid. So if you had twenty five million vehicles that were fuel cell um, that would have and they, they were putting back energy onto the grid that you would have more energy than uh, you would have quads of power more uh, with just 25 million vehicles and so the huge advantage for the fuel cell is that it isn't taking from the grid but it's actually giving back to the grid and uh, Whereas with the electric vehicles, you're going to have millions of, if you add 25 million cars to the grid, uh, you're going to have power shortages and the grid's not going to be able to sustain that level of consumption. So um, the, then the question is, is well, what do you, what do, you do uh, in terms of consumption then? Uh, do, you build, do you build natural gas? small micro natural gas power gener electric generators for uh, refueling the uh, electric vehicles? Uh, do you build uh, solar, large solar uh, gathering arrays that uh, condense the electricity into a localized area and, uh, and then uh, store it either in as hydrogen or in supercapacitors? And then when cars come in, you discharge the electricity into the battery, and and uh, within two or three minutes, say they can do it that quickly with high enough voltage, um, the vehicle's charged up and ready to go again. So, those are some of the the concerns for the infrastructure, and that's always been the big limitation for fuel cell is that there is no infrastructure for refilling. You know that. Uh, um, Though there was some idea that you could uh, build re on, you could build reformers and uh, natural gas uh, reformers, where if the vehicle needs to be refilled, you would pull into a, a station and uh, maybe the gas station, and it would have a real-time reformer, um, and uh, it would create a high-pressurized hydrogen and then that high pressurized hydrogen could be uh, filled would fill the, the carbon fiber tanks and uh, that could be done in about the same amount of time as uh, as a regular gasoline refill um, 
and then perhaps you would use robots for the connectors and make sure the de- detection that there's no hydrogen leakage and that the and it, the um, connections are sealed and then um, also remove the connector once uh, once the filling has been done so uh, those are kind of things that I are, have been a challenge to fuel cell and um, it seems that the electric um, may have somewhat similar problems but uh, as far as I can see you know if you have if you need to recharge your vehicle uh, you pull into a charge pro uh, station you you uh, put in your credit card or your, your debit card and then you uh, connect your device, connect the device kind of like almost like an appliance, so the car becomes an appliance, and then you recharge uh, your your vehicle. So you know it, the idea that the car is uh, uh, now a appliance seems to be. Um, be true is that uh, you know it uh, instead of having lots of devices now on a Tesla you'd have a you have a computer screen and uh, you have voice interaction or you have touch screen and uh, that allows you to interact with the car system Um, I think uh, that uh, possibly as vehicles become more Popular, the electric vehicle becomes more popular, and the uh, fully self-driving capabilities of the car are enhanced. That you'll see maybe the your uh, windshield will not be will allow you to see the outside, but you could also have uh, maybe an augmented reality or some sort of heads-up display displaying on your windshield. Or it could actually become a, uh, a computer screen itself. And so you could uh, be talking with family or, or business while you're driving, uh, interacting with people, what you see in front of you as a passenger. So your vehicle is driving, but you're interacting uh, and talking to the computer by, uh, through your windshield. So that's a different uh, way of thinking about the future of computers, uh, the space around us when we're driving. And of course, we want to be protected, so safety will be important. So you have airbags and you'll have, uh, you know, the structure will be, cabin area will be uh, crush resistant. And so those type of things are very important. But uh, when you look at, uh, when you look at the truck, Going back to trucks, they they have an incredible profit margin. Um, you know, if you sold a top truck, maybe you would could profit fifteen thousand dollars as a salesperson or a dealership from a sale of that truck. So their, you know, power, the image, um, the prestige, I guess you could say, of driving a truck uh, is. The, the consumer is highly protected of that market sector. And, uh, you know, so 
the electric vehicles introduction into that sector will be um, met with vehicles, perhaps hybrids on the uh, non-electric vehicle where they are increasing the range of the truck, um, high efficiency trucks where they're, they're switching over from uh, eight cylinders or six cylinders to four uh, when they're traveling to get higher uh, gas mileage. And then you could see also the introduction to um, unique engine designs where you have opposable pistons where you could get the high um, horsepower but at the same time more efficient combustion of the fuel in the chamber and um, resulting in the higher mileage and I've been wondering why the opposable piston hasn't become more popular considering its power range and its fuel efficiency and the, the idea that I keep getting is that uh, um, is because the retooling of the factories would cost billions of dollars and so rather than retool it's more efficient to uh, make slighter modifications to the internal combustion engine and uh, rather than create a new engine in itself. So it will, the other inhibitor to um, electric semis and trucks will be the cost, uh, particularly for the semi, the cost will be inhibiting because the 250 kilowatt power plant will cost um, thousands of tens of thousands of dollars and um, the modifications to the truck to, to build it in a production line uh, would co- require the investment of billions of dollars to build the manufacturing facilities but when you look at the um, opportunity to put electric semis on the market and I think the adoption rate for large fleets that are moving um, products, cargo around it makes sense that uh, manufacturers would invest billions of dollars to create the product and um line up with different um, buyers because of its competitive advantage. So if the electric vehicle could not operate in uh, a cost-saving manner, then people wouldn't use the electric vehicle um, because just to you know, reduce carbon footprint is not a reason for a company to make the switch over unless there was um, a certain degree of regulation where they were mandated to switch over or um, switching over, um, you know, 
meant that they could uh, have some sort of market competitive advantage. And, and that's the, the, the market should be, incentives should be the driver for conversion either to fuel cell semis or electric based semis. I personally would like to see a hydrogen society. I think hydrogen is a more plentiful fuel. I think that the that uh, the studies by the Department of Energy concerning fuel cell in relationship to electric vehicles were distorted, um, and then, you know there may have been political reasons why the electric vehicle was pre- preferred. Um, over the fuel cell but you can see from my arguments that as you increase and scale electric vehicles you're going to have to come up with new power systems and those two power systems may be nuclear you might have to increase the number of nuclear plants uh, and we haven't seen nuclear uh, plants increase in America so you would have to see an increase in coal fire plants and we've seen how uh, we've seen the return of big coal and uh, through Trump's administration how he's reduced down the regulations on big coal and big coal is now flourishing and, uh, and we can power more of America using coal, which makes a lot of sense. Um, natural gas is cleaner, but big coal is also very clean. Uh, you can put coal scrubbers on there. Uh, on the power plants and get very good performance from uh, coal, and it's uh, it's just a it's a good uh, it's a good um, source of energy. Nuclear, there's different types of nuclear plants. You have the terra waves that can consume uh, can consume nuclear byproduct fuels. You have uh, the pebble reactors where you it's impossible to have a China syndrome meltdown um, and but we have a, we have a nuclear still per, uh, powers most of the United States uh, electricity so it's a very important technology and uh, resource for providing electricity but the the, the electric vehicle uh, should it continue to be the pattern of the future as more millions of cars now uh, begin to enter into the market, then um, we would see more decentralization of power generation. And uh, I don't think that uh, solar will be the answer, uh, but I do think that uh, you could use a combination of a solar cell, which is not photoelectric, but it is uh, utilizing a um, like a black light technology, where um, through catalysts you're able to get uh, over unity of power, and uh, that that itself will be exciting to see because that's a technology that's been sitting there for a long time, hasn't been mass produced, um, but the demand for decentralized electricity will drive that market. And so I could see uh, 
black light playing a bigger role in its uh, energy production. Um, the magneto hydrodynamic drive that they produced uh, hasn't been mass produced, but it's, it can produce a, a phenomenal amount of uh, megawatt power in a small area. And uh, as the plasma pulses uh, pass through the copper plates, it generates electric current. And so they, they, you know, they're able to have a, a lot of decentralized power produced quickly. And, uh, and that would then, uh, the introduction to a near infinite uh, energy supply would allow then for vehicles to operate uh, where you use electrically, where you use the battery as a, a storage unit. I've often wondered if, you know, that you have these constant recharge and discharge of batteries, why supercapacitors haven't become more, import, uh, more important in this. And I, I imagine that the, the reason why is that the supercapacitor lacks the range that the battery can produce. But um, in the area of uh, city driving, perhaps if you have these quick recharge stations and... Uh, and the supercapacitor is capable of, uh, of maybe 200 miles, 200 to 300 mile range, then the supercapacitor could be another form of storage um, that could be used in the uh, transportation business. But uh, it is an important sector to consider because as as uh, we saw in 2008, when fuel prices became expensive, uh, we saw how that affected inflation and prices went up. And prices are still very expensive. Uh, it's very expensive to buy things in the store. There's lots of items on the shelves, but it's very expensive to buy them. And uh, the cost of goods have, has increased. And those, those type of things make uh, living uh, high, harder uh, the middle class has uh, been slowly diminishing or rapidly diminishing. More money is moving to the top, 1%. And, uh, and the, it's just, uh, you know, the distribution of wealth um, uh, through innovation has been, is being radically um, disrupted as these new technologies like electric vehicles are coming into play now. And also artificial intelligence where... Uh, more AI is is uh, consuming uh, larger amounts of electricity. Um, so more uh, uh, you have the Nvidia T4 with its uh, uh, I think it's 66 teraflops or, or TOPS, and uh, and it's being introduction introduced. You have Micron's super fast uh, cache memory that transfers nine gigabyte. So you have those uh, those type of technologies that are are being introduced that could uh, uh, power the new AI uh, cloud centers that companies are going to be using, and they'll use these uh, cloud centers to uh, to put in different uh, 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 function, functions and capabilities for corporations, and uh, you know it was more companies move their data centers off of the localized and into cloud, uh, you can see possibly less need for network uh, inside of the company, 
uh, in terms of the support for the infrastructure and components for the infrastructure. And um, there's one more um, aspect I wanted to talk about, which is um, some of the current information about fuel cells. It looks like fuel cells are due to come into production of, for fuel cell um, semis come into production about 2030. That's about 10 years away. So until then, EV will be a big player. Uh, the first fuel cell buses in production will be uh, coming online about 2024, and uh, they will probably arrive in California. Um, as far as Anheuser-Busch, uh, they said that they are testing the Nikola trucks in their fleet and that they plan on buying up to 800 hydrogen fuel cell mod models uh, for its fleet for long haul delivery. The Nikola wants to remove the risks from its customers. They uh, combine a majority of the expense of the truck ownership and operation into a single monthly lease payment and uh, requires a million mile lease that costs about 95 cents per mile or $950,000 for the life of the contract, which is typically seven years. Uh, United Parcel, UPS is dabbling in the field, is developing a small fleet of hydrogen fuel cell delivery trucks. It wants 40% of the fuel it uses to come from sources other than conventional gasoline by 2025 which is a, a massive change considering the number of, of trucks that they have in their fleet. Um, fuel cell will take time to build its infrastructure. Uh, trucking companies won't want to invest in the hydrogen vehicle unless they know that there will be places to get the fuel. Uh, fuel companies, fueling companies don't want to invest in stations if there are no trucks on the road. So that's, that's kind of the paradox. You need to have uh, semi-trucks on the road that use hydrogen and there needs to be uh, fuel stations available for them to refuel up. And so Nicola is working with uh, Hyundai and uh, Toyota and Toyota is, has planned to build a series of hydrogen refueling stations um, primarily in California but they want to set that up throughout the United States and uh, combine that with the semis uh, you could see a network of hydrogen refueling stations. A truck is the heaviest class, will be a class eight uh, weight segment. Requires about eight tons of batteries to have a 310 mile range. A hydrogen system would weigh 1.5 for the same mile mileage range. So hydrogen batteries are, are lighter. Um, in Japan, the city of Tokyo, the Ministry of uh, Industry wants to have the city of Tokyo have deploy 100 hydrogen fuel cell buses during the games in 2020. Uh, he wants to have 40,000 fuel cell vehicles on the road and it has a goal of 200,000 in the next six years. South Korea has a majority of residents live in urban areas. Uh, automaker Hyundai announced that it plans to produce 700,000 fuel cell cars by 2030, uh, Tesla again has the 10-year start in the EV. Uh, we will see a similar split where batteries will, for decades at least, dominate the light-duty trucks, but 
they're claiming that the fuel cell vehicles will ultimately win on the heavier vehicles because of the efficiency.